0: listening to sci-fi tv rewatch episode 399 my name's dave and i'm joined as always by my co-host wayne as we discuss the season one finale of the classic military science fiction series stargate sg1 and we mentioned last week that once we finished our run with stargate we were going to cover the hbo max series be foreigners but as you uh, alerted me to the fact that this is kind of a bad place to just leave the everybody hanging you think Yeah
1: yeah Um you know cuz you know right at the end of the episode you know Fonzie is on the water skis and he's getting ready to to jump over the shark and all of a sudden it's to be continued and how, we I want to know what if he's going to be okay
0: Yeah I mean look any season leaves with a certain number of cliffhangers that's expected and and that's fine it was a, it was pretty hard to ignore you know in this case the fact that no we need to come back and at least finish off this story so we're going right. to come back next week and do the season two premiere and then that's it for stargate at, at least for now as we've said before yeah. we're going to check out be foreigners next but yeah so so we'll we'll be talking stargate next week as well and I, I didn't mean to, ins- which I know I did, completely insinuate
1: that Stargate was jumping the shark, which you know, as we know, means having a completely ludicrous plot device at the end of the season. That's not what they're doing here. I'll just—that's probably one of the more famous/slash infamous moments of you know where you know tension is built up and then to be continued. Actually, I guess Fonzie jumping. I remember him jumping over cars on his motorcycle. I remember that as a season ender. So maybe that's actually what I'm thinking. But either way, um, they completely like it's not even like they resolved the previous story and just now a new wrinkle happens. So there, there's another you know aspect of the story that it continues. They literally just chopped the narrative right in the middle and uh, and said, "Come back next season if you want to see what." how the story ends up. And so that's uh that's exactly what they were gonna do. Except back in uh back in the day we've had to wait probably a year or more. I guess probably just a year back then. Yeah, nowadays obviously at the end of a season it's forever before you get a new one. But you know, with the the advantage of Netflix, I can watch season two, episode one
0: right after season one, episode twenty one. Well you know, in reality uh the episode really only came four months later no actually three months later 201 aired june 26th 1998 and the one we're going to talk about tonight but again that was tv back then that it was off for you know usually the summer or you know whatever and then it would be back three or four months later so
1: yeah uh, that's right that's right god i mean oh man it's like you're so far removed from now you know like like even normal, like regular network TV shows, take pretty much a a full calendar year between seasons, don't they?
0: Yeah, well, not this is us, but yeah, other shows. Well, this is um, us.
1: They they show like three episodes, and then they're they're off for, for month. months and then oh, like no. so. Which but, I mean, not that I, I don't, care, but my my wife and daughters watch that show, so I'm pretty hip to when you
0: know this is us is on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's funny that you bring up the whole jumping the shark concept. And I know you weren't saying that Stargate was jumping the shark. But it's funny because I stumbled across this Twitter thread by John Rogers, who, along with Dean Devlin, is one of the creative minds behind the librarians. And he was talking about a concept among TV writers uh, called carrying the idiot ball. And what okay. it refers to is when you have a character in a show that the writers have this person do something so totally out of character for a number of reasons, you know, and, and, you know, certainly he's implying that it's lazy writing. And then, of course, he made the leap to what's going, what's happening politically in our country. And that, as he was saying, currently the Republicans are, are their idiot ball they're carrying right now is the Dr. Seuss um, <laughs> controversy if you will and and trying to make something out of it that isn't really there but anyway i won't go further than that but john rogers he's if you you don't follow john rogers on twitter it's it's he's got some pretty interesting stuff for sure but we won't go too far into that now in terms of what we're watching uh, i don't know about you and you probably didn't watch it your wife may have but but i enjoy this stuff i watched the oprah interview with prince harry and Meghan markle so did you watch it at all um no on account of i could give two
1: shits about the british royal family but i know people are interested but i'm not so yeah and i I I get
0: it but But i think the the important thing to come out of of this look you and i've talked many times as far as podcasters we're not all that competitive i mean we we love the community that we've been able to be a part of over the last eight, nine years. And, you know, if if somebody has, you know, more downloads, more listeners, you you know, that's good for them. But you know what, dude, I draw the line. Harry and Megan are now going to have a podcast on Spotify. And I don't know, I I doubt they're going to do a genre show, but I think it's time that we throw down the gauntlet. Harry and Megan, we're coming after you.
1: Bring it. so
0: you better you better bring a strong game that's all Wayne and I had to say but what we're watching uh, BBC crime drama Whitechapel which ran from 2009 to 2013 and several things are interesting about this this series unlike most international crime shows that we end up watching this one doesn't feature a female detective as one of the leads and The only women of consequence are the medical examiner and one of the DCs, but it's a show that in many ways feels like an X-Files monster of the week episode. And I know you didn't watch the X-Files, but those of you out there- First season I did. Okay. So, you know, there's almost this supernatural feel to the crimes that they're investigating at the least they're horrific and After we watched the first episode, I said to my wife, you know, for the first time in a long time, I don't like any of the characters. I don't like any of the actors, but the story is so damn good that uh, let's watch another one. And, you know, we've bought into the characters and the actors, but it's not like other shows we've watched. Mm -hmm. I I mean, the first one, it it centered around a Jack the Ripper copycat killer. So they have this researcher... Who keeps you know he he goes back into the actual Jack the Ripper history and helps them try to predict what the person's going to do next. So, it, it, it only eighteen episodes total spread over four seasons. So most of the stories are either two episodes or three episodes, but uh, you know really really good. I, I'm really enjoying Whitechapel. We're almost uh, done with that. So okay. uh, that that's what's on my radar. Cool. Yeah, I, I kind
1: of that. I know it sounds familiar, and I guess probably because, you know, there's probably a season of Doctor Who running when it premiered, um, and they were running it a lot. So I might have to check that one out. Um, It's on HBO Max, by the way. Oh, well, I got that. (laughs) Well, first one is on – I'm not going to really talk a lot because I've already talked a lot about Letter Kenny, but I just want to mention I'm still working on it, and it is just so freaking funny. I just need – there's this one scene – Recently, so as I said, it involves a bunch of different like kind of social groups in this small Canadian rural town. And one of them are like the Skids who are like kind of like the druggies and the Hicks who are like the farmers, right? And so the main character who's named Wayne, uh, uh, funny enough – um, on Valentine's Day, he's completely opposed to Valentine's Day. And so is kind of like the leader of the skids kind of. So while the rest of the town is doing like this speed dating thing in the the local ag hall, um, actually it was in the church, I believe, actually. Wayne and Stuart end up together in a bar, and they, they couldn't be more opposite people in the world. But they you know, the guy says, do you have a beer? He's like, yeah, I'll have a beer. And they sit down, and they start talking about hockey. And they spend almost the whole episode. Now, it obviously, it's interspersing with scenes of the people in, the, in the, the speed dating thing. But they come back to these two talking about you know, who they think is the toughest player, the bet, you know, everything. Uh, just talking hockey. Two guys who really don't like each other very much, completely opposite from each other in, in society. But they sit here and they have a couple beers together and talk sports, and it's magnificent. It is just so funny. Um, so yeah, I just want to give a shout out to that. Um, I also am almost done my Star Trek movie uh, rewatch, and uh, just the other night I watched uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, which is the second of the three – actually, I don't know if J.J. J. Abrams did the third movie or not, but the the, the three newest ones. And we've talked about it before because we talked about the infamous uh, Captain Kirk peak in scene. But, uh, you know uh, solid movie uh the reason I mentioned it obviously is because i I am almost complete my rewatch of all the Star Trek movies, but also because I looked at a website that ranked all the Star Trek movies, and into darkness was last they had wow. ranked it as the worst of all the Star Trek movies, and I was like that is harsh, um, so I think the person actually reading the whole article it clearly. The person who wrote has a incredible bias towards the the original Star Trek crew and against the um, the new the newest movies and everything. Yeah, I just thought that I mentioned that. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I like Into Darkness. Solid, solid action movie. Maybe not the greatest story. Not everything makes sense in it, but uh, a solid story nonetheless. Solid movie, nonetheless, I should say. I just said the story wasn't that great. It's a solid movie. Good action. J.J. Abrams, right? He's he's, going to do space action pretty much right, even when it's not that great. I'm looking at you, Last Skywalker.
0: Well, for episode 50, we talked about Star Trek Into Darkness and the role of women, and uh, I believe that was the Alice Eve scene you were probably talking about. So uh, that was back October 17th, 2013. My goodness. Wow. Back then. Are you kidding me? Um, Holy crap. I thought it was much sooner than that. Yeah, and and I I should throw this out there because I made a, a comment last week, and Fred mentions it in his feedback, that in iTunes, the iTunes feed only allows, I thought it was 400 episodes of the podcast to be available to people that subscribe but it's only 300, which is what Fred says, and I did check, and he's correct. So I'm going to have to figure out a way. I mean, anybody can go to our website, and all the episodes are available at the website, sci fi tv dot That's not where the traffic is, though, man. You know, so I'll have to figure something out to maybe make that a little more accessible. So, uh, all right, well, let's get into Stargate SG-1, episode 21, season one, the season one finale, Within the Serpent's Grasp, story by James Crocker. Teleplay by Jonathan Glassner, who also wrote "Children of the Gods." I know one of your favorite episodes, mm-hmm. and the Broca Divide, directed by David Wary Smith, who did "There But for the Grace of God," which was episode 19. And as I mentioned before, March 6, 1998. Now, one of the things that just stands out to me about this episode, and ordinarily this might be something I wouldn't catch until the second viewing but i picked it up the first time i don't know is it just me i feel like there are so many wizard of oz references throughout this episode not the least of which is the video communication sphere that apophis uses which certainly reminds us of the crystal ball early in the wizard of oz that uh I, I think the wizard has and then well and I was then doesn't certain, like
1: eyes like communicate with the people outside too like
0: come yes. through
1: a, a video screen yeah R-
0: right um and then you know the similarity to dorothy's group in once they're in the witch's castle and you know they're hiding and the soldiers are you know i, I kept expecting to hear dun 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 mm-hmm. as the, as yeah. right the flying monkeys that would have been brilliant yeah um So even the incidental music had a Wizard of Oz feel to it to me. So I'd be curious to see if anybody else thinks that as well. Um, You know, post that in the Facebook group if you do. But how did you feel? You you kind of already answered this about a true to be continued for a season ender. I mean, you know, we expect a certain amount of threads left hanging, but I don't know. This one rubbed me kind of the wrong way, to be quite honest. But honestly, now that you remind me,
1: how little time passed between the ending of season one and the beginning of season two, I I don't feel so annoyed about it. You know, like because nowadays when we're talking, as I said, potentially a full calendar year or even longer between seasons of, of between episodes of the end of one season, the beginning of another. That would really piss me off, right? You would really feel kind of like ripped off because as both of us had said, you know, I mean, this is a true to be continued. Like the story isn't resolved in any way, shape or form. So it's not like just extra conflicts arising at the end or some twist coming at the end that indicates there's more to this story than there is. This is the story did not get completely told. This is definitely a two-part episode and they give you know that they split up so it's it's not great um but i you know you totally get why that people did that because you know just like the you know where the term cliffhanger comes from uh in back in the days of serial radio it's just to get people to the next episode pe- to get people to come back because you, you have something huge happen. You don't finish your story, whatever. And, and people come back. So I, I don't know why they did it. I was, you know, and th- there's, there's that moment where I finally figured out that that was what was going to happen. You kind of looked at am like, man, this show's been going on for a while and they don't seem very close to any kind of resolution. And you look down at your watch and you see we're at like minute 3940. And you're like, they are definitely not going to finish this, uh, this show, it, this episode here. And, and of course, that's, um, that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I, at first I was an, a, annoyed a little bit, but, of course, I could just you know, click on next episode on Netflix and go watch the next episode anyway and get the conclusion of the story. Probably not as annoyed, though, thinking that there was only a couple months between seasons rather than like a year or two.
0: Yeah. Did I mention that Harry and Megan also signed a five-year, $100 million deal with Netflix?
1: Wow. We got to get our agent on this, man.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Although, uh, you know, maybe, you know, if they're doing a sci-fi show or whatever, we can podcast about it. But uh, now, you know, throughout the course of our podcast, almost no matter what show, but, but ordinarily with shows like Stargate, I've made no... Uh, bones about my feeling i i have a problem with characters that don't follow orders because the chain of command just falls apart and you know here we've got the importance of following ill-conceived orders and whether or not they do the right thing by going through the gate against all orders and and obviously we know they're going to save earth this isn't uh marvel's agents of shield and you know earth blows up so they go back <laughs> right. in time and you know right, um, right. but but still this is a pretty major step that the team takes and on the one hand i a little disturbed by it on the other hand again sometimes you know it's almost like the the we've talked before about the nuremberg defense just because you were following orders isn't an excuse for you to commit an atrocity. Clearly they're not committing an atrocity. They're making that command decision that nobody else seems to see what's really going on. We'll take the punishment for it and, you know, we'll we'll deal with it when it happens. So, right. And that's part of their
1: decision, right? part of the decision is knowing that when we come back from this, we're going to, we're going to be in trouble, you know, whether we're right or wrong. Um, we're likely to face a court-martial.
0: Right. And, you know, that opening scene when Jack challenges Hammond about his willingness to shut down the program, even though the president admitted it would be political suicide, we find out that the Stargate's going to be buried literally and figuratively. And you understand where Jack's coming from. And as Hammond keeps saying, look, dude, I agree with you, but I have my orders. And its I don't want to say it's one of the first times Jack... Really takes a stand about following orders because we've talked how many times does he order Daniel to do something, and he doesn't, and very often something negative happens to the team that then has to be overridden but you know in in this case you know i I think we know he's doing the right thing, and you know once we see the team together and make that decision to try to stop the slaughter from happening here, which is of course what they're trying to do to watch the process about, you know, what they're actually going to do because Carter has the most to lose here. I mean, O'Neill's already retired once mm-hmm. now, now. Okay. I guess you could argue they'll court martial him, take away his pension, which is, is no small thing. Of course. Oh, you just write a book well there you go and and you know what are they going to do to teal and and jackson can't be court-martialed he probably doesn't get a pension although who knows but but again jackson can write a book we already know he's written one book so the fact that it's left to carter at the last i I think is really significant because she is the one that has the most to lose and you see the hesitation but not really i mean this is sam carter she's clearly going to think about it but the decision's already been made. I think we all know that. Right. Well, and
1: they all know, you know, that it is – and this is the um, – you know, what uh, ethics professors always like to pose these dilemmas, right? If if your wife needed this super expensive medicine to live, but you can't afford it and, and you don't have the insurance for it, is it, you know, moral to go and steal in order to get the money so that your your wife can get the medicine she needs? a bit of a, maybe over dramatic example but still the same idea of that you know, the the rules that society lays down as far as what we need to do and then the the rules of you know basically morality and justice and 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 correct or you know what is quote unquote right and what is wrong um you know all these kind of get mixed up together in this
0: wasn't that what lay Mis kind of centers around? Uh, somebody I think, hungry, again, steals a loaf of like bread, like, not,
1: not super aware. Not, yeah. Yeah. Right. He steals bread it. for his daughter, right? He goes to jail. I don't know. I think I saw yeah. it
0: once. Now they're wearing these dark uniforms rather than their standard green, so I'm not sure. You know, they just happen to have those in their lockers. I guess. But, right.
1: Um, yeah, right. They just have the, the black uniforms, just like on hand that they could all go and get changed into. Not one, like even Daniel. You think of the guy like, oh, where'd you get the black from, man? I
0: just have the camouflage. But you know, so they get the gate room, and I also love the fact that once they. You know, initiate the the gate, and they've sent them out through, and now they're going through. Nobody hesitates. I mean, that's like standard dramatic fare. That they're at the gate. Let's turn around and let's see if anybody's after us, and give them a chance to stop us. But no, they all just go directly through the gate. Nobody looks back. I'm like, yes, good, right? Good. And we're kind of half expecting that because we know
1: that Hammond has sent. Guys with guns down to stop them, so we're almost waiting for them to burst into the room. Right as they're about to go in, they look back and they're like, "Have that, you know." But no, they just went through. And I think I, I agree. I think that's much better that way.
0: Yeah. So you know, they exit into this you know standard DHD room that we've seen you know all the time, and they find these shipping containers that contain those gold weapons that they take for themselves. And and there are a couple of good lines in this episode as there usually are but one of my favorites is when teal explains what they the little handheld zat guns are and o'neill's like sweet pass them out
1: yeah (laughs) i'm
0: like oh i love it yeah but boys and their toys yeah yeah, but that planetary shift and i'm making air quotes because that's what they think it is that causes them to then dial home again i'm surprised jackson doesn't protest and on the one hand when the gate you know won't dial home i'm thinking well okay it seems kind of odd that you're ready to give up this mission right over something this small i mean i mean you know in terms of the missions you've been on saving the earth from destruction kind of ranks high up there i would think so yeah
1: well and you're right they they I thought the same thing. Like, wait, why are they going back already? They ju- you you literally just got there, and yeah. So, but of course, if you look in the the larger plot, you know, for them to not be able to go back, it's necessary for for you know for them to realize that they're not on
0: a plane, well, right? Right. But if they were to go back, which was O'Neill's intention, okay, you could say, all right, we're going to go back and we're going to bring reinforcements back but they have to know if they go back there ain't going to be no reinforcements right. there's going to be military prison yeah and that's that so yeah. it makes I, I,
1: zero I, I, sense that they yeah. they tried to go back
0: right but yeah, the story continues and as you said it it allows the writers to explain what's actually happening here that they're they're not on a planet they're on a gold ship that's in in the air and, you know, that's – you know, we'll leave it to Carter to explain the nuance of what actually is going on. <laughs>
1: well, but, I mean, actually, now that you think about it, it really wasn't necessary, right? Like they could – because I think they – there is some point where they look out the window and see they're on a ship, right? I know – Yes. I know definitely at the end it does, but I think before that. So, I mean, that – they could have easily done that at any point to realize, oh, we're not on the planet – they didn't need to have to go back. And like I said, those, as far as like character and plot, it just doesn't make sense that they would get cold feet after being there for not even five minutes.
0: Yeah. And we see for the first time that that bronze or gold sphere or whatever it is that that turns out to be, as Teal'c explains, a gold long range visual communications device. Think it it's showtime? jack asks so <laughs> right you know, the other good that, line still... which yeah and of course uh stargate sg1 is airing on showtime at this right. point right. in the series Um uh, history. Well, well,
1: just really quick one th- before we move on because yeah, i mean I, that was that was absolutely hilarious when he mentioned that but also when daniel's like what would you feel like if the earth were attacked and we didn't try and jack says i'd feel like an idiot i'm like really that that's what <laughs> just you'd feel like an idiot oh darn oh man I'm so stupid that I let the earth get destroyed you know I I think probably it would cut a little bit deeper than that so that line I was like
0: um, yeah you know I think you need a stronger
1: word than I would feel like an idiot right
0: well and and that's one of those lines that I I thought about as well and on on the one hand is it lazy writing which is a possibility you never know or is is it a nod to the fact that O'Neill's not the most verbal individual? Right. I, mean, I mean, he is That's more a of a man of action rather than a thinker. Not that he's not smart, but, uh, of course, uh, when uh, Teok says uh, we need to do, what did he say, uh, a, a medical strike? He's yeah. like, no, Teok it's a surgical strike. Right. Um, so See, I wonder— words. You're right, but I I wondered if it was that because I it struck me the same way. I mean, we know what he means, but yeah, come on. So I don't know. I guess we'll cut the writers a a break on that one. But you know, they they learn that the that planet shift was actually hyperlaunch and that uh, uh this ship contains a stargate which throws the whole idea of coordinates and addresses in flux and and while we get some explanation from carter about and daniel to a certain extent about why it's going to be difficult to dial home it, it you know one of the things that occurred to me okay fine you can't dial home but you know all kinds of other addresses would the would the impact and the effect be the same if they tried to dial abydos or any of a number of other planets they've been because I guess what I'm getting at is get off the ship, get to a planet. That's got a gate that is fixed and then get back to earth so that you can prepare them for what's about to come. Or is it just simply better to stay and blow up the ship and figure, because we get that great scene where Daniel and Carter, I think it's the two of them where they're planning the C4 and we're all thinking the same thing, that we're not getting out of this alive. Right. Because how can they?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I imagine that had to be their their thinking before they left, right? That this is very likely a a one-way journey. Um, Though they have pulled themselves themselves out of some pretty serious scrapes before, you know, on the other hand, uh, there, there is a kind of sense of, Sight of sense of doom as they uh they you know
0: pass into the Stargate. Yeah. Now I, I did like how they show us exactly how these Zat guns work. It was explained to us, shoot once to disable, shoot twice to kill, and when they get in that first little firefight, Carter shoots one of the Jaffa, disables them, and then immediately shoots twice and kills him. And I'm thinking again good move right why on earth would you want to let him you know you witnesses catches?
1: you're you're right. on a
0: secret mission yep and then teal comes in shoots him a third time and we learn oh disintegrates with the third really? shot that's cool yeah that and, take, takes no witnesses to a even new level right um and, and then carter on the one hand i like the fact that she's fallible because i think sometimes we look at captain carter as being this i I, you know she's not perfect obviously we know that but but she usually is right about things and and she says by her calculations it's going to take a year to get to earth and of course we're thinking like all right well are they going to hide on this ship for a year well Hmm. no they don't need to do that just need to blow it up but i mean is there i mean we learn from Stargate Command that they see two blips out there. So apparently there's more than one ship, which they don't know at this point, right? So right. you blow up one ship. We don't know what capability the other one has. We assume this is the the number one ship, but we don't even know that for sure, right? Sure. So so what'd you think about Scar's return?
1: I mean, I, I, I would only say predictable in that he was in the little image for that episode from netflix so you knew he was going to be in there if i didn't see that i would probably be like oh scar well, that's that's nice to see him again but of course at this point you know I, we would have expected to see him as well as daniel's wife who i can't remember her name shara Sh- Sh- shara Sh- Sh- yeah um i you know i thought we might see her as well because again that you know they they kind of I mean, they they would come back and and touch that plot point, I think maybe like once or twice maybe during the season, but really for the most part, something that is a big motivating factor in the first two episodes was not so much, uh, you know, later on. Like it kind of like, that just kind of got ignored this whole, you know, which we would think would be the the goal of the whole episode is to get Scar and Sharae back, but that was not to be so 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 it, it was cool um and of course him his being there uh brings a, a added dimension of conflict to Jack because you know this kid represents like this is his son like he lost a son then he kind of gained a son with Skara and then he lost a son again so yeah, you know, this is a lot of plays into the kind of the emotional baggage that goes into Jack O'Neill uh, specifically here.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of a roller coaster ride for him in this episode because number one, the shock of seeing Scara emerge from the sarcophagus. Number one, then number two, to hear Apophis refer to him as my son, and and of course we know he's not Apophis's son in that respect and and i forget who it is that whether it's sam or daniel that that posits that well the you know the snake that he's got is probably the son of the one that apophis okay fine that that makes sense for for that and then jack finally has to kill at least that's what it seems scara i right. mean is is he dead at this point um
1: well i i i did go and watch the next episode so well then don't um, tell so us I, I can't honestly answer that um, all right well here's spoiling. what I would say but you know it at, at the time I would say yes you know like he, he it, it seems like and of course how how difficult how emotional a decision is that for Jack to I mean all the the, the resonance of that like his 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 biological son dying because of Jack's gun, right? Well, and right, now and Jack, this right, and And Jack son.
0: zaps him at one point, which is a move that allows Scara to, you know, emerge and, right. and talk to him. And that that really poignant line: O'Neill, are you still my friend? Which precedes the the you know incident where Jack shoots him. And you know, is he dead or or is he? You know, not. I mean, I guess the first thing I'm thinking, like, well, number one, you know, you've got the symbiote. We know from Teal'c that you're a pretty damn fast healer, or you should be. I mean, a couple of bullets shouldn't put you down. There's so is is that, not. right? So, you know, I, I think even not having seen the next episode, that that logic tells you. That that he shouldn't be dead, but
1: yeah, yeah, true. But but you know, even though I like uh, when I see that, I'm like because that's just it. It, it just for for Jack, it, it kind of just comes full circle from that, you know, like this history kind of repeating itself for him. I mean, either way, it was just such a such a difficult decision for for Jack to make, you know, and and um, it it definitely does show his
0: commitment and his love for, for his team, you know? Right. Because at this point, uh, you know, he's mind melding Daniel to the point where he does appear to be close to death. And, and Jack's got to make that decision. And the irony that he's using a gun, albeit, you know, a, a gold handgun to kill his, you know, his son in this case. I thought after he, he shot he, him with a regular Okay, you know, right, yeah, I think he did shoot him with the radio. He shot him with a handgun. So, yeah. Right, right, but, but after his own son killed himself, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, it's it's got to just be emotionally crushing. Yeah, for O'Neill, and 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 of course we don't get to see his reaction in this episode. I assume we'll get to see it in the next. But you know, going back to um, Teal and and the punishment he's about to get. Which is to have his symbiote removed, and and that device they were going to use to remove it was pretty pretty yeah. scary, I must say. That but did not look nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Jack pleading with Scar to stop the Jafar from removing Teal's symbiote, and and of course he he does. So, you know, it's it's there's a lot to process about I'll what's just, actually going on.
1: Yeah, classic bad guy misstep, though. You know, you're about to kill your enemy, but you don't like come on
0: man well yeah but i guess in this case you've got you've got two enemies it's like having an an individual with a split personality and we already know and and again one of the characters mentions that one planet they were on where the the woman said that she was able to defeat her her symbiote and and, and rise so so we know that's possible you know whether or not you know the the symbiote is weakened after uh getting zapped by the the zat gun you know and and that you know there's still a spark of skara in there but i don't know yeah i know what you're saying and and uh you know i wouldn't disagree for sure anything else about you know this side of the story because we got a few things to talk about about what's going on with hammond at stargate command but you know, obviously the bulk of this story takes place on the ship.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's funny because just even like thinking about, because I I admit, like as soon as I, I watch the next episode right after this one, so I'm thinking about all the things that happen in the next episode. And when you really think about it, not a lot really happened in this episode. And, and I, I mean, we'll find that out with, you know, the, which is the next episode is super action-packed. You know, this is just this whole episode is really is the exposition right this is all the setup for the main conflict and the main action of of these this two uh two episode arc here
0: yeah so you know in terms of stargate command it's really not a surprise that the leader of sg2 tells hammond that we're willing to go back to actually back up o'neill's team and and of course they get into that little discussion about bringing them back for court-martial and of course we know that hammond's in a no-win situation he'd like them court-martialed and alive rather than dead you know on a gold ship although of course at this point he doesn't know that they're on a gold ship but right. but still he does get to the point where he prepares to send sg2 through the gate to bring them back but you know i think we know That even though that's what Hammond says, he's really sending them at this point just for backup and he'll deal with the rest later. And then, of course, the gate refuses to lock into the uh, seventh command. But at the end, he's informed that the ships are heading for Earth. Uh, Jackson was right all along, calls the president, gets the facility into full on ready mode. So we're kind of left with a few questions like, number one, what does General Hammond plan to do? Once SG One saves Earth, which of course we know they're going to do, right? How how are they going to be received once they return? You, okay, you defied orders, so, so he's not only got to answer to General Hammond, which you know who we know will be somewhat sympathetic, but what's Senator Kinsey's approach right. going to be? Yeah, and, and and that's fascinating to yeah. uh, right because to find yeah, that's
1: out. that's totally out there, right? Like we know sure. this is all going down, and you know let's not forget that just you know that happened just last episode with this guy who doesn't believe that this gold threat is any kind of credible threat so yeah that's 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 totally out there and 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 not something that's been
0: resolved in any way at all right and and of course i mentioned a few minutes ago how is sg1 going to take down an entire gold attack ship without killing themselves right We've seen it before, you know. Carter's already set the C four, set the timer for twenty four hours. I guess there's probably some sort of escape pod that they can find and jump into, and you know, fly down safely. Yeah, right. Uh, And I I don't remember, but we know they're going to survive, obviously. But the question is, how are they going to do it? But also, what's Scar's fate going to be? I think we assume at this point he's not dead, but is he going to get killed in the explosion, or is this going to be another one of Apophis' uh, last-minute escapes right. through whatever technology he has at his disposal? And then, of course, Daniel reuniting with Sharay is still out there, even though we don't really— see any development on that in this episode that's still which is really out there.
1: that's out of all the things about this episode that is the thing that probably surprised me the most when we got the end of this episode that they didn't put her in play at all yeah and so that, that makes me wonder is it just that they they decide you know that's a plot point we're just not going to go down there um you know we're just going to kind of pretend that 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 whole thing never happened or you know, was the actress busy? You know, was did she get another gig that she couldn't do it, so they didn't put her in the story? I mean, there's obviously a lot of practical things that could go on, but that that thing really that really struck me is that, especially when we see Scarra, but not Charee, so that stuck out to me as something that why did they do that?
0: Yeah. Now, interesting, you mentioned that because Michael Shanks has two children with Lexa Doig. But he has a third child, an older daughter. Right. And with the her, mother you, is. you had mentioned that before. Oh, I had mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't remember if I had before. Okay. So I yeah, who knows why. And and which just means you know,
1: that Michael Shanks just gets the hotties, man.
0: Yeah. Well, like, she's no she's no Lexa Doig, but you know. She's she's easy yeah. on the
1: eyes though, man. Yeah, like you yeah, know, okay. All
0: right. This, anyway. This guy's got something going on, he's got away with the ladies. Sure. All right. Anything else you want to bring up before we get to the feedback?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I like the line where uh, Sam goes, "Sir, contingency plan." He's just like C four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Jack does get the the zingers. Yeah. You know? Yes, he um, does. Yeah. Uh, I like. I, I thought it was interesting how I can't remember the name of the the gold that that is inside Scara. So basically, Scar says refers to teal and jack as the trader and his hand oh and his recruiter yeah That's yeah just i like, like that too yeah that was kind of a you know kind of thing i'm like what is this like the cia or something it sounds like but but yeah that that was just a, i guess a little insight into the the gold world view there a little bit i guess so
2: all right well why don't we listen to fred and we'll be right back Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, this is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1 Season 1 Episode 21, or in some systems Episode 22, depending on whether you see the pilot as one or two episodes. Coming back to last week's podcast, apologies accepted about watching five episodes of Sanctuary a week being binging or not. On the other hand, Wayne, you were right. For Fred's standards, five a week is quite a bit. In the meanwhile, I'm at episode 12. And I really like this series, so thanks for the tip. The previous episode, episode 11, called Insect, I encountered Rekha Sharma, who I know recently from Star Trek Discovery as Commander Landry. She also played in The 100, in V, the series, and in Battlestar Galactica, And don't forget, as Dr. Beverly Shankar in Dark Angel. Talking about Dark Angel, Dave, you were referring last podcast to the list on iTunes, that it has a maximum of 400 episodes and you're going towards your uh, 400th Sci-Fi TV Rewatch episode. I have to disappoint you, it's 300. And if you look back now on iTunes, your oldest episode is 114 and that is July 2015. In that period you did Dark Angel and you did Firefly. And seeing Firefly standing there in your list of podcasts, I really got the urge of watching that series and the movie Serenity for a third time. And one other reason could be, when I watched Firefly, I never listened to your podcast, so that could also be a very good reason to rewatch this series and listen to you. Sci-fi TV rewatch episodes hundred and seven up to one hundred and twenty-eight, of which of course hundred and seven up to hundred and thirteen now fallen off the iTunes list. And if you do the next week the last episode of SD1, of course hundred and fourteen will fall off the iTunes list as well. Coming back to Reka Shankar. As Dave pointed out, I'm always posting on Twitter what I'm watching. And sometimes I include there the actors and get sometimes uh, nice reactions to that. Like recently in this SG-1 series, some reply by Frida Batrani who played the Nox girl, and also by Suzanne Brown, who played Hathor. She infatuated Jack O'Neill in the episode Hathor, where Jack O'Neill aged very rapidly. And now I got a very nice reaction by this Rekha Sharma. And she wrote, Playing Amy on Sanctuary was so fun. One of my favorite characters ever. And seriously, who wouldn't love going to work with Brian Robbins, Amanda Tapping, Robin June, and Emily Ullerup. And you have to realize that she only played as a guest role this Amy just once. And then she wrote, Thanks for the memories at Petrified Fred and at... Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, because I had mentioned you. And then I realized also by the feedback of Frida Petrani and Suzanne Brown, that it's perhaps even nice for these actors on the other side of having fans... Squeezing you on social media that if you go back to old series as we are watching in this podcast. that So now and then when a fan posts something with a nice picture or screenshot of the episode. You really get back to memory lane. So this reaction of Rekha Sharma really fits into that. And the funny thing was that Ellie Ullerup who plays Ashley the daughter of Dr. Magnus in Sanctuary reacted also to this twitter reply with a like and even ryan robbins tuned in and replied and he plays henry on sanctuary so when fans bring you back to memory lane you even could reconnect to your old buddies in a cast where you perhaps only was a guest star so her sentence thanks for the memories fred really hit me and you should know this was 2008 this episode just before I go into the last episode of SG-1, one remark, what am I watching? I started watching the series Jet, with Carla Gugino as Daisy or Jet Kowalski. It's no genre of sci-fi, it's a crime series. We know Carla from The Hunting of Hill House as Olivia, the mother of the family. Funny thing is here that the child actor that plays Young Nell in Hunting of Hill House is now her daughter in this series. I really like her way of acting, and if you like this type of series, it's uh, advisable. Even considering watching The Hunting of Bly Manor now, because she also plays a role in that one. Did you actually watch that, David Wayne? If I remember well, Wayne did, didn't you Wayne? Okay, getting to the last SG-1 episode. I was very much disappointed that Senator Kinsey didn't get in this episode his payback, realizing that he was not on the right track at all in the previous episode, and that he should have believed the SG-1 team. Big, big cliffhanger, of course, at the end of this episode. I think they should have known that they got a next season. If they wanted, they could have closed up the series in the previous episodes after this kind of summary and the end of the SG-1 program. The cliffhanger was so big that I have to admit that I already watched the first episode of the second season. But although this season is 12-13 years old, I won't spoil anybody. I think the old hand weapons were quite cool. Stunning at shooting once, killing, shooting twice, obliterate, shooting three times, leaving no rubbish to clean up. Okay, that was all for now. That was all for Stargate SG-1. Thank you very much for this ride and till next time at Be Foreigners. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. First thing, Carla Gugino,
0: I think we all love her and... Sure. I am embarrassed to admit that I still haven't gotten around to watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh. I, you know, I've mentioned before that I, I have a difficult time reading my wife and certain shows that she's going to watch or not watch. And she really loved Haunting of Hill House, even though she was reluctant to watch it uh, until we got into it. And now, no interest in... Bly Manor. So I I was waiting for her. And then, you know, I guess that's my excuse, but I do plan to watch that. (laughs) It does Um, kind of
1: sound like an excuse, but I I sympathize, man. When, when you, when it's, it's not, when you're, especially when you're trying to come up with something for you and your spouse to watch together, you don't have that, you know, complete agency in there. So, and and no one faults you for that, Dave. There's, there's no, no married person anywhere is going to think any less of you.
0: I think we all wanted to see Kinsey eat crow as, as we mentioned. And of course who doesn't love uh, Zat guns, but yeah. Anyway. um, So Fred doesn't mention a grade on this episode and and, um, I get the sense that he, that he liked this one, but uh, you know, I I think I'm going a minus. I mean, I think you're exactly right. Not a lot happens per se. It is more of a setup episode, it's almost like they they did this ninety minute mini movie and just showed us the first half. But right. I, yep. I'm going to go a minus.
1: Yeah, and you know I was I was going a minus two until you just mentioned that again. And that annoyed me. So, but now, just for the the sake of of continuity, I would say, no, yeah, I think a minus because it, when when I really look back on it, it did the pacing was great. It, it moved it along. Not necessarily a lot happened if you look the larger scale of the story, but there were some pretty big events, and it really does. Especially having watched the next episode, this episode does a great job of setting up everything that's going to happen in the next one. So, I guess if I hadn't watched the next one, I may might give the B plus just for out of spite for being annoyed that they, you know, did cut it in half like that. But uh, knowing what the next happens next and how well it is set up, uh, I'm going to go with the A minus too. I, I can I can agree with that.
0: Okay, that's that sounds good. And there were a number of action scenes. I think you mentioned. Uh, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before that you felt like it was a little light on action. So uh, we certainly did get some scenes there. But all right, that sounds good. And and you know now that we look ahead, we thought. Episode 400 for the podcast was going to be the premiere episode of The Foreigners. But fittingly, it's going to be the last episode we do, at least for now, of Stargate SG-1. So I think uh, it
1: it works kind of like, I I like how that happens here, right? I like how we're finishing off our discussion of a show on episode 400. And then 401, it's just a brand new, fresh start.
0: All right, well, let's go ahead and leave it there. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1, anything else in your genre world. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Emails go to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about the Season 2 premiere of Stargate SG-1 titled The Serpent's Lair. But until then?
1: You know, I just I got to the end of this episode... And those three words pop up that haunt me from my youth, to be continued. And I thought, personally, I don't think we should get off that ride just yet.